Welcome to Set Ball, the Power Chair Podcast, the one and only podcast about all things Power Chair football. My name's Siobhan Stevenson and I'm here with my mate Dave Lewis. Dave? Hello there, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. Are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. End of another week and I'm looking forward to uh, speaking to today's guests. Yeah, me too. Do you want to introduce them? Yeah, we've got some more northerners this week, noisy northerners I like to call them. I'm sure they'll <laughs> tell me how. Um, we have from Leeds, Chariots, PSC, get the name right. We have coach Paul Gorman. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? I'm very well, Dave. Hello, Paul. Great. How's Absolutely fantastic to have you on. And we have a current player, um, Seb Copeland. How are you doing, Seb? I'm all right. Thank you. Hello, Seb. How are you? <laughs> very well, Hello. thank you. Um, the first question is, do you prefer Seb or Sebastian? <laughs> Prefer Seb. Sebastian's my right. name. Is Sebastian what they use if you've done something wrong? Usually. Seb it is. <laughs> okay, Dave, do you want to crack okay. on? Yep. Okay. So first question, tell us about yourselves and your role within the, your club and if you have one, the sport in a wider sort of context. Paul, we'll come to you first. Okay, no problem. Um, so I've been involved in football since I can't remember when. Um, I used to be involved heavily in the running game from a coaching perspective. Um, and then I got introduced to power chair football about five years ago. Um, I answered an advertisement and went along. Everybody thought I'd come as a player, like I'm going to do something stupid like getting one of those chairs. I don't think so. And then they realised that I was interested in the coaching element. And the rest of it, as they say, has basically been history. Fantastic. And and yourself, Seb, um, how did you um, sort of get involved in the sport? What was your first experience of playing uh, power chair football? Um, well, I, I used to play wheelchair basketball, but obviously because my arms didn't work, I was looking for a sport that I could use my power chair in. And then I discovered football and then I went to the first session that I saw advertised. And then like I've just been there ever since. Yes, Siobhan's got a question, I believe, at the whistle there. I've jumped in early this week. You've jumped in early there, yeah. Go on in. It was a, a question for Paul. Uh, we've spoken to quite a few people over the series of podcasts who um, have got into coaching and stuff like that, and um, quite a few of them have had connections to the game through other people, but by the sounds of things... Um, you didn't have any connections to the game. So can you tell us a bit more about the advert you saw and why you thought you'd like to do it? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I'd been coaching for donkey's years. I coached my son's team, uh, mainstream football. And then 2010, um, I went from being a walker to a non-walker. And I continued with mainstream coaching for quite a period of time. And then it got really awkward because particularly in the winter when it used to be really wet and cold and football pitches weren't accessible. Um, eventually, it got to a point where this isn't really working. And it wasn't me. I was looking for something different to do. And it wasn't me. It was uh, my other half that spotted this advert in the paper. Uh, Leeds Power Chair Football had just formed. And they were looking for people to get involved. And it was the old, why don't you give it a go? And so I did. And as I keep repeating, um, the rest, as they say, is history. So we just went along to a session and 
uh, instantly I could see all the potential of the stuff I'd done before. Now we could bring it into this game. And uh, away we went. Fantastic. Oh, okay then. So moving swiftly on because you've, you've answered the first two pretty much, you know, and how you both got involved in the sport. Um, third question, and we realised it was cut short because COVID-19, which we won't really go into because we've done it in previous weeks. Uh, um, but previous to that, tell us about your season and and how it ended for you because it ended quite well, didn't it? Paul, we'll come to you first as a coach. Yeah, yeah we were having a, a really, really good season. Things were coming together nicely. Um, we were doing well regionally. Um, we finally, finally got a win over Northern Thunder, which we still laud on about if anyone will listen to it. Uh, and in the sort of National League, we were doing really, really well. And I do think if we'd have continued on, we really would have given Newcastle a real run for them, wouldn't we? We'll never know. We will never know, will we? Um, so it probably didn't end the uh, way you wanted it to on the points per game. But uh, did you celebrate nonetheless, you know, uh, getting promoted to the Premiership? We're excited. I mean, we had a season up, we had a season down, and yep. hopefully when we go back, um, it'll be season up and we'll stay up next time. We've learned a lot. Um, Seb will give you his opinions, obviously, as a player, but from a coaching perspective, we've learned an awful lot. Um, we've learned the, um, the tricks that some of the old guys have got and um, maybe how to uh, nullify some of those when we come back up. Go on then, Seb. Um, well, obviously, getting promoted is what we're there to do. So we're doing that. So that's a big tick, and a massive tick. Yeah, I feel like the team really improved that season because we all—I don't know—we almost all like matured together in the game. So we've all understood what we now need to do to be a top team. So then we've achieved it this year. So then, hopefully, next season we can stay in the Premiership. What um, do you think you'll have learned from your last experience in your last season in the Premiership then? Um, I think we realised that we needed to defend a bit better. And then, well, other than it's just to take the game to other teams because I think we're a bit scared before, but now we know we can beat top teams like Northern Thunder. So bring it on, I guess. Yeah, that uh, sounds like a really good plan. You know, and the confidence you got from that regional win is obviously, you know, uh, really evident. Um, so that's great. Yeah. So Paul, we'll come back to you then. What uh, does it take to make a winning power chair football team? For me, as a coach, the big thing is mindset. It's having players, coaches, and the club. Uh, it needs to be something that runs right through the club. So it's about mindset. So it's about having that growth mindset about identifying how you learn, and then for us as coaches to have a, a growth mindset in the context of being able to help those players to develop and grow. Because without that fixed mindset, everything else just kind of falls apart. So if you can get your mindset sorted, and then on top of that, I think it's commitment from everybody. So from your players, they need to commit, and I think your coaches need to commit to, to being the best that you can. Communication, getting it right, talking to the right players in the right way, uh, getting the best out of them. Uh, and confidence. Confidence is is, um, is another thing. Is, is giving players the confidence to go out and take risks, to go out and uh, make mistakes, and not worry, but to actually learn from those mistakes. So if you can put those things together, then there's there's every chance that players, as individuals, will improve, and ultimately your team improves. Yeah, excellently put, Paul. 
Um, Siobhan, have you got any more questions? Yes, I have. Um, I just wanted to kind of come back in and ask, are there teams that you look at? Obviously, Northern Thunder are one of those teams that everybody sort of talks about. But are there teams that you look at their game and their strategy and you think, well, we should take a bit from them and a bit from them and and if we do a bit of our own thing? I mean, who do you admire in terms of teams apart from Northern Thunder? Uh, well, I guess oh, you, well, you look at everybody because each team brings a different challenge and so it's almost you just look at, well, I personally look at individuals who I think, look, they did that something really good and I want to improve. So how can I do something similar to what they're doing? Or like, how can I beat them? Or stuff like that. So which one, Zeb? Who, who is it that you're, that you admire as a player that you'd like to... Well, Marcus Harrison like. is in that. Like, he's just really good because everything he does seems to be perfect. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, obviously I know why because he's dedicated to the sport. But yeah. Okay, Paul, you got anything to add? Not really, other than the, what we do tend, we, we do look, and and obviously with the the advent of video, it just gives an opportunity to sit down and look. And yeah, you do bit, you do take bits and pieces. You do adapt from what other teams um, are good at, but also it's not just looking at what they're good at; it's what they're looking, it's watching what they're poor at as well, because mm-hmm. then you can use that to your advantage. So there's there's one team where they, they have one player who, if you get under his skin, will make mistakes endlessly. Um, who's not a million miles away from us. Um, you, you can play on those things. And if if you choose, <laughs> whatever. We're you, Wally. <laughs> Go on, camera, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. It, we we look at everybody. We look at everything. Look at individuals because it's individuals that make up the team. Different play, different clubs play in different styles and have different. And that was the big thing for that one year we spent in the Premiership was that the the teams in there were all very very different. Mm. Uh, some were very physical. Some were very um, technical. Um, some were just damn good footballers uh, and there's just no taking that away and sometimes you've just got to sit back and say well they've obviously put the hours in they've done the practice and they're reaping the rewards from it and that's what we should be alluding to do as well put in the time, put in the practice and then we'll get the rewards ourselves mm. There have been so many of our guests have referred to the video as being like a bit of a game changer you know and having access to that you know you know so that seems to have changed like you know the coaching styles in the last few years um just got one question for seb in um in uh, relation to the talent pathway because um seb was selected for the talent pathway where they go you know on like um camps once every three or six months as it said um so f- from those sort of camps and days you went training then um uh, what um like um sort of further experience and um um things have you learned from that it was because it was really good because it taught us all about how to be very nutritious and what to be drinking and eating. So that was almost like a thing that I've never like considered to be part of the sport, but it almost took it from being amateurish to being almost like professional, if you get what I mean. And it was also fun to play with different people from across like eight different leagues. So you played against different people and played with people that you haven't really met before and it was nice to make new friends and stuff like that can i just ask like 
you've just touched on something there, Zeb, that's come up um, the last few weeks, actually. People talking about the almost the professionalisation of the game as it's developing. Um, it, it seems to be becoming more professional and there's more discussion about talent pathways and, you know, people going on to play for England from their club. Are you both aware of that? Can you see that happening? Is that something you're really aware of? Seb, I'll, I'll ask you first. Um, yeah, because, well, the quality of the players have gone up. Uh, I'm quite lucky, if luck is the right word, that I was invited to do some of the coaching and it really appealed to me because there's nothing like working with players that are really attuned, really switched on, want to learn. And I don't know, Dave's been to one of my coaching sessions and actually at the end of it said, oh, I haven't done anything like that before. And when we did the sessions down at Nottingham, some of those players were saying, well, oh, we've not done that before and oh, this is different. And it kind of gives you the impression that when we talk about professionalism of the game, then from a coaching perspective, and I think Dave will agree with me, is we've got to we've got to upskill more and more the people who are involved in the game around coaching because we constantly ask players to improve, but as coaches, do we actually improve? Um, so therefore, are we able to you know uh, impart good quality information? And I think until we can start to do that a little bit more, an awful lot more rather, then. You know, we owe it to the players. We really owe it to the players. They've got the best equipment and they're getting good resources put into them. If the coaching is up to the same standard, then it's going to be a win-win for everybody. I think, you know, that's really important what, um, what you know, you've just said, you know, about, you know, the level of coaching. I think, you know, if we're going to have better players, we need to have better coaches. Because it, the sport started with a lot of dads coaching and I don't mean that, you know, sort of disrespectfully, but... I think around a sort of third to a half of clubs now in the National League aren't coached by dads. You know, um, so if you look at myself, I coach National League, you coach National League, you know, and we haven't got a child playing the sport. You know, so I think we are moving away from that and that's no disrespect to any of the dads out there who are coaching. Because you've got Russ, who's your, um, your uh, left-hand man, right-hand man, whatever you want to say. But then you've got Chris Gordon, you've got Bud Bates as well, you know, sort of coaching, Matt Gilbert. So we are moving away from that sort of theme of the dad sort of coaching the sons and then controlling the team, you know, which, you know, of course, can only be a good thing. I agree with you entirely. Um, a lot of the work that I do is complemented by Russ. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, Russ has got his son in the, in the team, but if Dan's having a poor game, he's as, he's as keen as me to say, let's, you know, let's get him off and get somebody else on. And I think that's what it requires. If you're going to coach, you have to be objective and you have to look what's best for the team. We're both quite good at it. And obviously other coaches are, are out there that are. And things will only get better if we can get that coach head working and we can get people to realise the benefits of it. And until we can get people to see what the benefits are going to be, they're obviously going to be quite stubborn about it. So we've always done it this way and therefore... You know, we've always stayed at the top of the table. It's like, well, that's fine, but watch out because over your shoulder, there's a lot of young punks coming to uh, to to steal the title off you because you're getting older, this lot are getting younger and they're not far behind catching you up. I think that's a great place to have 2v1. 2v1! 
Right then, so um, on previous podcasts, hopefully you've had a listen, hopefully you know the format of the game by now. It's five questions maximum, first two, three points. Okay, are you both clear? Okay, first question's a little bit general. It's about the North East League, very simple, but no time limit. Name six clubs that are currently competing in the North East League. Clubs, not teams, the clubs. Electric Eels. Yeah, one. Leeds. Two. Darlington. Darlington. Five. One more. Uh, York. <laughs> York. I didn't have them down, but you could have a side. You, 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 have, you have got it right. You've named six. Brilliant. Well done. Question two. Um, in this season, just finished, uh, that, that, that was cut short in March because of COVID-19. How many goals in the National League did Leeds Chariots PFC score? Give them 20 seconds, please, Siobhan, on the clock. Oh, yeah. Quite a few days, that's the answer. <laughs> no, I need an exact figure. 27. I think it's more, I think it's about 40. Really? Oh, I need one goal. answer, I need Five, one final four. answer. And what should we go in the middle of? We'll go 37. Two, one. Time's up. What's your final answer? Go on, Seb. 37. Well, Seb, I must say, man, you should listen to your coach because the answer is 40. That's close. <laughs> one, one. I've equalised. Okay. Third question then. Um, what was your goal difference in the season just gone? So that's your goal scored minus your goals conceded. As in both now. Anyway, 20 seconds, please, Siobhan, on the clock. I think it's going to be around 30, Seb. Well, your guess is better than mine. I have no clue. <laughs> we'll go should, with you then. Shall we say, I'll tell you what, we'll go wild and we'll say 28. Five, four, Final answer. three, two, 28. one. 32 is the answer, plus 32. <sighs> one winning, two, one. <laughs> oh. We've got one more chance to knock him off. Right, one more chance. And this is about the games that we've had between ourselves in the 2017-18 season, I believe, or was it 2018-19? Anyway, it was one of them. Um, Okay, so (laughs) on the 24th of November 2018, it was Throstles 2, Leeds 3, and a famous game. Right, now, but who scored the three goals for Leeds? Three seconds on the clock, Sean. I didn't score. I... You didn't score, Jack. I think Rigby probably got... I think it would probably Rigby with all three. I need an exact... I need I need exact, yeah. Should we say that Rigby got a hat-trick? Or three, two, one. It's wrong, I'm afraid. Dan got two and Kizzy got the winner. On oh, the oh. Bum, bumper. Ah. <laughs> she only just come on. She's stolen, yeah. I won three one guys. Two on one. Oh sorry. Your own lady knowledge. Come on, lads. <laughs> well that's that was a good the game. end of the first half. I love Perch Air Football because it provides a platform for some truly talented people to showcase their abilities. We have a game that's fast-paced, highly skilled, highly competitive, and anyone that watches it just falls in love with it. My daughter Summer attends QIC College and also plays for Cheltenham Southwest All-Stars. 
Since she started playing powerchair football, her confidence has improved a lot. And I've also seen a competitive side of her which I hadn't seen before, which is good. It's a great sport with some great people involved, and I'm really glad that we found it. I'm the second half then. We've got a few more questions, and then we've got the final challenge to finish with, and hopefully you've been trotting up on your club knowledge of your of powerchair clubs in England. Um, okay then, um, to both of you first. <laughs> Paul's shaking his head. He's looking a bit nervous. Okay, um, let's crack on with the questions then. I want to hear more about Leeds and how the club was formed and how it's sustained. So, Paul, coming to you first, tell us about Leeds, how it was started, and, and what are the long-term visions for the club? Leeds, I believe, um, started after the London Games. A group of parents came together and wanted to give their siblings an opportunity to play the beautiful game. And they got together, found some funding, and got themselves up and running. Originally, I don't know, Seb, were you at the original sessions? I think you were, weren't you? Uh, I, was, I was at the second one, but not the very first one. And so, again, like you said, Dave, it was predominantly, well, it was all parents looking to give their siblings an opportunity to be able to get out there and have a go at the game. Um, Seb will give you a better idea than I can about what those early sessions were like, because I wasn't there. So we all had our little bumpers on the front. <laughs> And it was, it was fun, and it was really enjoyable. And then it was like, then it was uphill from, well, not uphill. It was all good news from then on. How many uh, years have you been playing now, Seb? Um, since twenty twelve. So what's that? Twenty twelve. That? So that's eight, eight years. Eight eight years, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, um, well like, I didn't realise it was that long. Like with John Baldwin, Chris Gordon, we've heard about you know the car tyres where you've where they've chopped them in half. I mean, obviously you as well after that. You know, I was two thousand and nine. I started. I think you know, so you're even after that. Was that in a in, in a strike force? Or was that still in the storm? That was still in my day chair, like not oh, even a storm chair. or it. Oh wow! Yeah. How difficult was that? Said. Um, well, everyone was at the same point so it was just as difficult as everyone else had to deal with so it was well, I don't know it was it was a good challenge I think that's why I liked it because it was something different. I think it all changed um, when we started to uh, that phrase that you used at the beginning of the, of the, the conversation about professionalising it as a club we started to professionalise um, we got more, more players arrived I arrived I brought quite a bit of experience from the running game, not just from a coaching, but from the administrative side of it as well. And we were able to press on, and we were lucky that we managed to get some funding to get what was at the time the best chairs, which were TDXs and Storms, and we still had the, the little round striker bumpers on. Um, we were blessed with some really, really positive parents who gave their all, went off and did courses, um, to learn how to fix the chairs and do bits and pieces and keep them up to scratch. Wonderful bunch of people that worked really hard at raising funds. Um, everybody was incredibly supportive. And we've slowly evolved. And the next big thing will have been when Strikeforce chairs came in. Again, we were lucky enough to get some funding. Uh, we did some fundraising. And it's really just grown from there. We've 30-odd players 
we've got three competitive teams. We're hoping to have a, a women's team next season. Our development group, we hope they're going to split up. Everything's obviously um, at, the, uh, at the will of good old COVID and what we all look like when we come out the other end. Uh, we've already got plans as to what we will do and what we won't do and what we can do. And we're already looking for funding because we're already concerned that maybe when we come out of all this, because people have been using the chairs for such a long period of time that there's going to be an awful lot of non-working batteries or batteries that will give you five or ten minutes' worth of use because they've not... As our engineers keep saying, you know, you've, you've, it's all right keeping them charged, but if you don't discharge them and then recharge them, discharge them, then they lose the value. So we're already looking at where we might be able to get funding to be able to purchase new batteries and things like that. I suppose our ambitions are to get as many players as possible onto and through the player pathway to make all our coaches have got a minimum of level one qualification, coaching qualification. We want to get more to the level twos. We want to be the best that we can possibly be. We want to continue to um, be integral members of the Yorkshire Powerchair Football Federation, which basically looks at promoting and developing and supporting the game in our area. And from a player's perspective, I can think of nothing better as a coach than having some of our players represent their country. And that's the ultimate. And for one of our team's to be very successful in the Premiership and one day get to the point where we could actually put a serious title challenge together. And, you know, hopefully that'll be uh, the women's team when you get it up and running. Not that I'm getting more competitive as we're going along in this. Every time we get a woman on or somebody that mentions a women's team, I come out talking about the women's team. So I might sound like a broken record, but... Um, I do know that, you know, by the sounds of things, you're, you're still quite a young team in comparison to some of the others. And by the sounds of things, you've got quite a lot of young players as well, young enthusiastic players. How helpful is that going to be in this vision that you've got? I mean, is it easy to, to bring them all along because they're younger? You know, are they more enthusiastic because they're younger? Yes and no. Uh, I think it's quite clear that the players that we've got now have only really played competitively in one chair, which is the strike force. And obviously, you know, other power chairs are available and we have got some equalisers. We've got some equalisers as well. So they're used to what we refer to lovingly as the cat three chairs. That's going to be a huge advantage for those players going forward because they're not having to adjust and, Dave will probably know from you know being such a, an older player uh, who's gone through rubber tyres and, and all those kind of things. I've never played in a chair, never ever played in a chair. I have no great desires to play in the chair, and I have absolute nothing but admiration for all those players because they're such touchy little things. Those chairs, um, the amount of control and skill that goes into it, people just don't appreciate. But I think because that group of players that we've got now and what's coming below us, we've got six-year-olds that want to play the game and they're enthusiastic and I'm hoping that we can provide them with the right vehicle to be able to develop and at their pace, at their time, at their level and as a club, if we can make sure that we've got the right levels in there for them to work through. So we've got our in-house pyramid 
um, for players to develop through. I think we will, at some point, always be there or thereabouts. And that thing about mindset, again, about getting everybody into that mindset, it's not always about winning. It's about development. It's about improving. And if we can do that as a club, then I don't see anything but a, a bright future for us. Seb might give you a better perspective as a player as to how it feels to be in that process. I was going to ask Seb something else, actually, if you don't mind, because I think you've answered that beautifully. I also just want to ask you, Seb, um, um, what are the biggest changes you've seen to the sport in the last five years? Because if you started in 2012 and you started in your day chair, sorry, then to a yes. storm and then now to obviously a strike force, what, um, what does that class three chair like, uh, um, like enable you to do within the game that you couldn't do previously? <laughs> Well, I remember when we started, we always, when we played the game, used to complain about, oh, their chair's faster than mine. He's going faster than me. <laughs> I think it, it'll have to be the strike forces coming in because it, I think it made everyone on an equal level. And it was more about ability as a player than you were winning because of a chair. I can fully understand that. Um, um, just one more question for you, Seb, actually. I've just had one coming, actually, from my co-host. Um, and... Um, and uh, we were just thinking more, Seb, what you want to do um, sort of long-term. Do you want to coach? Do you uh, sort of want to get interested in, you know, sort of running of the club? I am wanting to become, almost get a level one coaching just yeah. so I can understand, because it might make me a better player or it might make me understand Excellent. why certain stuff has done a certain way. No, that's just, a great attitude. That's a great attitude. The, the only thing I was going to say is that with myself, Brad, and Matt, the West Point Challenge, we've all got our like you know level ones and level two badges, and I think it has improved us as players. And then you can like pass on that experience. So I think that's definitely the route to go. Um, you know, so well done on that. Excellent. Okay, so we're just going to talk now a little bit about lockdown. I know we don't really want to, and it's a bit of a sore subject. But obviously, we're six months into it now. Is that right, lads? Um, more or less to the day. Um, so I just wondered, as individuals and also as a club, um, and what have you done during lockdown to keep busy and to also stay connected and stay sane almost? Paul, can we come to you first on that as a coach? What sure. Um, like everybody else who's been at home, in a roundabout fashion, um, unless you're one of these people that's down the pub all the time, uh, it's not... It's not had an, an enormous effect on me personally. Uh, it's not had an enormous effect in that context. I'm missing my coaching and football like mad. Uh, the sooner we can get back to that safely, the better. Uh, and when everybody can come back rather than just factions of the sport. Um, we've been doing some midweek coaching sessions, which have gone really, really well. I'll let Seb... Um, tell you some of the uh, the content of those. We've had some real fun this year, uh, and again, it goes back to not wishing to hark on about it too much. About getting that mindset sorted with players, about challenging and getting to take on new skills and um, new ideas. So we've done a lot of that this year. It's not just been um, football, football. We've done a lot of match analysis. We've looked at things, and for me personally, I've. I've just kept myself really, really busy football related. I've never read, I mean, I like to read, but this last six months I'm just chewing books up. How many books have you read, Paul? Because you told me on the phone the other day. Since the first week of lockdown, I've done 23. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of books? 
just everything to do with it's stuff around um, football psychology, football ideas, and things like that. Um, but all kinds of things to do with learning, really. To be honest, it's about you know how can I help my players um, to improve, and how can I help them uh, to learn, and how do they learn, and what methodology do I need to put into place to help them to learn? So just doing loads of books like that so it's really worrying at the end of the week on the phone when it pops up and it says you've spent 12 hours a day on your phone or something ridiculous like that because because i'm reading on my phone all the time uh phone calls seem to get in the way of a good read yeah so i i'm really looking forward to getting back really looking forward to getting back and we'll come to you seb uh, what have you been uh doing in lockdown and 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 to tell us more about these challenges that paul's been setting you as a team well, I, I've almost enjoyed the break from football a little bit because as much as I love it and it's everything like, well, it's a lot to me. It's like, it's almost like a break for other people, like the people that take me places like mum, mums and dads and carers and stuff. They've also almost had a break and a reset. So then when we come back, hopefully we can do it even more. And, but yeah, the activities we've been doing, is being gotten is to learn chess, stand outside, well, sit outside and describe our houses. And some this is, strange stuff like that. This is all very different stuff. It sounds very challenging, but sounds but sounds very interesting as well. Well done. Yeah. Chess thing. I understand yeah. the Maybe yeah strategy, strategy isn't it? Yeah. 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 So that's that's a clever one. I can't play chess to save my life. I'm awful at it. Can you can you play, Zeb? Uh, since I've since football, so well, since we started learning it, yeah. Well done. Not very good, like, but I can play it. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get better the more you play. That's what they reckon. Um, one final thing I must say before, because we've got final challenge coming up. Times flew today. I must say, well done to Paul on your award on Saturday night at the WFI celebration of Power Football. Do you want to tell us more about it? <laughs> Reluctantly, as you haven't mentioned it the whole show, so I thought I'd better give it a mention. Congratulations! Thank you very much. It, it, um, like everybody else, we sat watching the um, the world ceremony going through, and I was getting more. Oh, come on! Leeds must be getting something at some point. You know, we we must be due something somewhere, and then. All of a sudden, it's yeah, with, with uh, the barrier Leary Well, I was thinking, oh, this will be interesting. And then, oh, we've got three nominees. Oh, they've got it down to three. And the first person is, and they, they talked about Steve. And then they said, and, and we've got Paul Donald. Well, I had to get three neighbours in to help me get back onto the sofa because, it, you know, it's such a shock. Um, and then Michael said some incredibly kind things. And... Um, I'd no idea that anyone had taken the time uh, or had the inclination to, to nominate me. So I, I was quite shocked. And then Carolyn's name was mentioned. I thought, well, you know, one well, of these two is going to get it. They've been doing it a lot longer. They've got a lot more experience, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then when they said, um, and um, we're going to award it to Paul Gomez to get the neighbours back in again, to get me back up onto the sofa. And it was just a total shock, an absolute shock. Uh, and it still is and ultimately uh, it's uh, I've used the phrase before but I see myself as the conductor 
of an absolutely amazing orchestra. Aye. And, um, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's Leeds PFC or Yorkshire Power Chair or, or Yorkshire League. Um, I just orchestrate and it's, you know, it's the players, it's the, it's the parents, it's everybody else around that help us to achieve what we've achieved. So it's as much their award as it is mine. Okay. No, that's absolutely fantastic and massive well done. Massive well done on it. Thank you very much. I think it's worth adding there as well, though, and it goes back to something you said earlier, Paul, about coaches, you know, the role of coaches, and most of the coaches we've spoken to talk about the players in the same way you do. The players deserve good coaches. They deserve the best. So, you know, I'm sure the award is just some kind of acknowledgement for all that enthusiasm and hard work that you put in as well as everybody else. We've talked about the hidden heroes of power chair football and Zeb brought them in again earlier about, you know, the opportunity for them to have a break, all the people that do the driving and make the teas and, you know, get the venues and all of that. We know that there's parents and supporters of the game that are brilliant, but I think, you know, what I've learned about this game um, since we've been doing this podcast is, you know, how appreciative people are of each other. So I'm sure that award was, you know, just to let you know an acknowledgement that people appreciate you. So congratulations. Definitely. Right. We've got the final challenge now. The final challenge. Okay. If you've listened to other podcasts, there's only one more really. And some people have broken it when I've listened back. But, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all a bit of fun, in it, really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're going to name as many parachair football clubs as you can, but please try not to repeat an answer. Bearing in mind, I'll give you the example Leeds is a club, Leeds Dynamos is a team. Okay, so you can take it in turns, you can do 10 each and swap, it's up to you. I'm going to let Seb start and then I'll uh, pick up when he starts to flag. Okay. Assuming he's not used all my answers. 33 to beat, which was West Brom. Got 40 seconds, okay. Everybody ready? Ready, steady, go. Um, Leeds Chariots. Leeds. Um, Teesside. Muscle Warriors. Electric Eels. Shifnal Town. Middlesbrough. Nottingham Forest. Darlington. Northwest Bees. Hurricanes. York. Middlesbrough. Cornwall. Uh, uh, West Brom. Um, Time's up. Time's up. 15. So you're tying. No, we had 20 for Newcastle. Aspire around 16. You tie with Brighton. You're in about sixth place, but never mind. You can't win them all. You won your award. You just lost out on the final challenge on the top of Never the leaderboard. Mind. But that's all right. Great we live effort. to fight another day. Great effort. You did repeat Middlesbrough. But we'll, we'll let, I'll just turn the deaf here. All right. Okay. We've got one more question for you and then we'll let you go. If you could change one law of the game in parachair football, then what would it be and why? I'm going to come to Seb first on this, if that's okay. And then yeah. we'll come back to Paul. So I would move the penalty spot backwards. Oh, hello. Hello. Now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. Now we haven't had that one yet. And I know that that could well be on the cards. Or I've changed to make the keeper move rather than the spot back. So well done on that. Okay. Paul, yourself, what have you got for us? 
we had a, a discussion about this on Wednesday, and the general one of the consensuses was about the um, three from a sideline ball about three players um, when they all line up, whether or not that's something that could possibly change. But for me, I think it is the penalty. It's either the penalty spot moves back, or the goals. We do something about the goals. Um, whether the goals um, get bigger for penalties or something um, gets smaller, we make the goals smaller so there's less, um, it makes it more difficult for people to score. If the penalty stop, spot stays where it is, you have a smaller goal uh, throughout the game. Because people are an awful lot more accurate now with the shooting and passing. If you think the original game when they started, the ball travelled so slowly. So when you fire towards goal, there's a good chance that. If you were the goalkeeper on the back post, you wouldn't get to the front post by the time the ball had got there. So I think the penalty spot ones is the one to change. Okay, I think that, that, that's a great answer, actually. We haven't had that answer before, but we have had, you just mentioned it briefly about the three players lining up thing. That is definitely a Northern thing, because Northern, Northern Thunder and Newcastle both mentioned that. Didn't they, mm-hmm. Siobhan, about it? did, yeah. It must be a Northern thing, these Northern clubs don't. Stacking around the box, I think they call it. <laughs> great, great. Anyway, that's all with our questions. Thank you for your time today. Thanks for doing it. It's been really lovely to meet you both. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks a time. lot. Thanks Thank for you. doing it. Take care, guys. And you too. Bye bye. Bye bye. for now. Take care. Bye bye. Setball is an outer circle production.